All right. They're yelling at us, but it's time to start. You got to turn my mic on, man. All right. Guys, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, as I've said before, we you guys have done a good job filling in seats. Uh, my microphone sounds a little loud. It's bothering me. Uh, anyways, we're adding more seats as we need them, okay? And so uh, just, again, try to make space, make sure you're attentive to other people coming in. Usually, we still have people kind of trickling in for the first 10 minutes, so be responsible for that. We appreciate you guys helping us out. Uh, obviously, a lot of interest in this conversation following up from Sunday morning. Uh, this is a, by far the largest group that we've had in here, so I know there's a lot of curiosity. Uh, here's just a couple things that we do, okay, since for some of you this may be new. We do have a uh, sheet that we pass around to track attendance. If your name's not in our list, just write it at the bottom of any of the pages, and then whatever information that matches that's on the list. I think there's an email address and a phone number. Uh, just help us out. We do that just because we like to see where people are going and what they're doing, all right? And so help us out with that. We'll start that here in probably about five minutes. And then uh, if you have a question or if you have a comment, if you want to engage in this at some point, raise a hand. Um, and we have a friend of ours, Ben, is in the back. He's moving around. He's got a microphone, so he's going to bring it to you to ask your question to the microphone because we're also streaming this online. And the people online don't know what's going on if you're asking a question without a microphone, okay? So just a couple things that we do in here, help you guys out, helps everybody out. And uh, I'm going to pray for us, get us started. After that, we're going to introduce this lady up here who's helping us out today. And uh, we'll go from there. All right? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to study your word, uh, to consider what it is that you have revealed and, and spoken to us. And God, we ask that you would give us, um, that you give us clear words, that we would represent you well, that we would uh, speak from your spirit, not from ourselves. And that in all things, we would keep, uh, keep a grace and a humility about ourselves. Uh, God, we know the, the tension and the danger of some of these conversations. God, we pray that no matter what it is, we do our best to honor and glorify you. And that through all things, you can turn it into some good stuff. And so we, we lean on you in this, ask you to lead and guide. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My left, this is Carrie who's helping us out and why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, help us understand why you're up here. Yep, so my name is Carrie. Um, Doc asked me and uh, Ben asked me to come tonight because I am a mental health professional. I uh, specifically work with adolescents. I've come across a lot of um, adolescents who have a multitude of disorders, including um, gender dysphoria, uh, uh, on the gay spectrum, uh, as, as well with like depression, anxiety, all of those things. So um, Doc asked me to be a voice for the professional side of things outside of uh, what the Bible teaches us. Cool. Yeah, this is, uh, she pronounces her name wrong. She, her name is Kari. Uh, she pronounces it Kerry, but I have not convinced her that she's pronouncing it wrong yet. Okay. We'll get there. Uh, we're, we're getting there. Um, it's, it's, it's based on the Greek word for grace. I just love it. It's the word charis. And uh, she insists on ca calling it keri. But uh, in any case, um, she is a professional in this area. She's been coming to Capital City for some time. And uh, I know that uh, I just thought this evening to have a voice of someone that is not just a Bible student like Ben and I, but someone who actually deals with this on a weekly basis, maybe a daily basis, might be useful. And so um, I, um, I, I know that she approaches it fundamentally as uh, we do, but I don't know what she's going to say. I didn't feed her anything except my notes. And so uh, 
if, uh, if I decide she's hurting things, I'll have Vern mute her mic. Okay. All right. That's humor. Before we get going, because this, this is a tough area. Now, I'm, what we're trying to do is we're dealing with one of the issues that is literally tearing our, the fabric of our culture apart. There's a shift taking place, and it's tearing people apart, and it's tearing up families, and it's tearing up workplaces. It's, it's very, very difficult. Um, I was trained as a Bible scholar, as a pastor teacher. I was not trained in the sciences per se. I have read, but that's not my profession. And so I try to represent best I can um, if I think God has revealed his perspective on some of these things. Because as we said Sunday, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think if God has revealed um, what he thinks. Does that make sense? We're Jesus followers. And bottom line, if you want to match your wits with God, go for it. I don't want to. Okay? Um, uh, there's a gnat flying around. Sorry, I'm not just patting at the air. But the, um, it's, it's very important to me that we remember we're Jesus followers. And so, ultimately, what I prefer doesn't matter. Um, our job is to present to you, as best we understand it, the perspective of the Word of God. Okay? His opinion trumps all of ours. Now, uh, you don't start there, then you're going to take issue with a lot of things, right? But that's kind of our starting point. That's our assumption. If we can see that God has revealed himself with respect to these issues. Now, again, this is not an issue that I ever expected to teach on. Not an issue that you probably expected to hear a sermon on. And so because Ben preached the preceding two weeks, I did a lot of reading on this stuff because I'm relying not on the biblical perspective, but on all the other perspectives on people who are actually in the business, people like Gary, right? And I wanted to show you a few of the resources that you might, if you want to dig further, that you want to do. These are things that I looked over, accessed. The first one is called Gender Ideology, What Do Christians Need to Know? I really like this book because it's little, okay? No pictures, but it's little. Um, very plain spoken. Um, it's got a list of tremendous resources at the end. If you want to dig deeper than this tiny little list, she lists all different kinds of places where you can go to dig deeper into these things. Either they're just things that I fiddle with, but she deals with um, things like uh, uh, gender ideology. What do Christians need to know about this? Uh, they, uh, the, the global sexual revolution. Believe it or not, we're doing this series in reverse order. I started with the transgender issue because that's the one that's on the table today. Next week, uh, Ben is going to be dealing with the same-sex attraction, which was the issue that preceded this. But all of this, to some degree, is related to the sexual revolution back when I was a youngster, okay, back in the 60s and 70s. And so we are actually taking this in reverse order. Um, but she kind of tracks that. Um, she asks questions like, can you really change sex? What is gender theory? You might hear that phrase. Um, and then she goes to some of the biblical stuff, male and female by design, uh, the transgendering of children. And then again, she gives a lot of resources. Um, the next one is also very small. It's decent. It's okay. Uh, transgender by Vaughn. Von Roberts, and he just deals with uh, basically the biblical perspective more. He talks about the I world. You know, basically, a lot of this is coming out because instead of God being Lord, a lot of us are thinking, I can 
be the Lord of my own life. And a lot of this is reflective of a rejection of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Not just here with respect to these sexual issues, but you can see it reflecting itself a lot of different ways culturally. Okay? Then you've got probably, if you really want to dig, this is probably the book I'd start with. It's called Embodied by a guy named Preston Sprinkle. Sprinkle is sharp. Okay? He's evangelical. Um, but he, he has... Uh, spent an immense amount of time in research, done a lot of writing on issues of Christian sexuality and uh, transsexuality and homosexuality and these kinds of things. He's, uh, he's really, really quite good. Um, uh, the staff, not too long ago, watched a series of 10 videos uh, that he put out basically on these issues, on trans issues and gay issues, and then how the church ought to respond to such things. All of our staff went through these things, and uh, really, really a sharp dude. Um, yeah, that's, and all of that stuff from him is on Right Now Media. So if at some point you want to see that, if, if maybe reading isn't your thing, but you'd rather listen to someone tell you about it, uh, his videos, again, are short, are usually between six to 10 minutes each one but he deals with different issues and it's very easy to just kind of listen, follow along all on right now media. If you're not on right now media, email me bweb at capitalcitychristian.org and I will get you the stuff for right now media to get you connected in. Go to right now media, search Preston Sprinkle and you'll find his stuff. The next one here by Mark Yarhouse, understanding gender dysphoria. This is more clinical. He's a Christian psychologist but he understands the clinical side of it. This would be something that you would be more familiar with. Um, he deals with the clinical side of it in more detail, okay? Again, he does approach it from a Christian perspective, but he really, really knows the science, the psychology that lays behind these issues. And so if you want to dig down into here, that's it. This is the other one that I read, God and the Transgender Debate. Um, it's fine. That's all I have to say. Do you have anything else on that, Ben? Carrie, do you want to speak to the, any of these things before we get going? Yeah, you need to speak into a mic. <laughs> um, I'm not familiar with any of those books, but mm -hmm. I'm familiar with my training. Mm -hmm. okay. Preston Sprinkle is really sharp. He's got, not, maybe you remember it, but he actually is, I don't know what you'd call it, president or dean or of some sort of institute, but it deals specifically with sexuality. And so he is very, very sharp, very well, well versed, and a lot of the resources we read reference him. And the stuff that he's teaching. So again, really good stuff. And again, right now media has a lot of his stuff, even in video form, his teachings be really helpful. Again, if you want more of that, email me, I'll help you out. Okay. So let's go on. What I, what I determined to do this evening, um, and please feel free, if you have questions, um, raise your hand and we'll try to deal with them. Okay. Um, but what I intend to do is to kind of walk through a little bit some of the big points that we dealt with on Sunday and then unpack some of them a little bit more. Uh, we didn't have time to really unpack the ideas very far. And then we'll talk about a couple of issues that we were not able to get to at all on Sunday morning that relate to uh, Christians and this whole transgender issue. Okay? We'll try to do that towards the end. But one of the things that I started with, and this is very important, that's why I wanted to bring it back up again. We started with this first Peter text, okay? Peter says, you must worship Christ as Lord. Starts there. I hope you don't have a whole lot of pushback if you're a Jesus follower. That's the definition of a Jesus follower, right? What that means is if he is, then if you disagree with him, he's right. If you don't understand him, he's still right. That's what it means for him to be Lord. Does that make sense? 
okay? Because, and, and this is kind of an operating principle, I'm pretty sure that he's smarter than me. Is that fair? That God might be smarter than you? Very fair. Very fair. Thank you. Um, that was said humorously. Of course he is. <laughs> he's, omnip uh, he's omniscient. Knows everything. And it also is based on the assumption that God is good. That God doesn't make rules to make your life miserable. Your designer, your creator, knows what he's doing. Okay? Sometimes we don't get it because we don't see the bigger picture like he does. We only see pieces of it. So we arrive at conclusions that may be different than the ones that he tells us to do. And I think part of making Jesus Lord is that you do it his way when you agree with him. You do it his way when you don't understand him. You do it his way when you don't agree with him because you're still confident that he's smarter and better than you and that he knows your best better than you know your best. That's a starting point that we have here at Capital City. Okay? God is God. God is good. God's smart. That's kind of our starting point. And then he says, if someone asks you for your hope as a believer, can you defend why you're a Jesus follower? Can you defend why you take the stances that you do? Are you doing it as thoughtfully as you can? And some of these things are just really hard, guys, right? Always be ready to explain it as best you can. But, and here's the key, do it in a gentle and respectful way. Now, I think what he means here is truth and grace. Does that make sense? Understand God's truth. Try to be able to explain God's truth. But if you cannot speak God's truth with grace, shut up. You see a whole lot of Jesus followers out there who try to speak God's truth without grace. They only hurt the kingdom. You see a whole lot of Jesus followers out there who are all over grace to the degree that they compromise on God's truth. That's not grace. It's not grace to tell a person it's just fine to step off that bridge. It won't get hurt when you hit the ground below. Right? Grace and truth. Grace requires truth. Truth requires grace. If it's going to be God-honoring. And so that's what I think this is where we tried to go. And so when we're dealing with these issues, we want to never equivocate on God's truth, but we want to be as gentle and respectful as we can be, right? Because we don't want to make a point. We want to influence people towards Jesus. Do you want to win an argument or do you want to win a soul? That's the question we're raising. There's a difference between the two. Do you guys have anything to say on those pieces? All right, be ready to jump in whenever you think you need to explore further or challenge, okay? So why are we talking about this? Because as I pointed out in the numbers, especially with the transgender stuff, now I have a really hard time, Carrie, you might be able to help me on this, I have a hard time finding <coughs> numbers. There was a Pew Research poll done last year that stated that about 1.6% of us adults identify as non-binary or transgender. That's all, Okay. It also said that if you're just focusing on the younger, the uh, Generation Z, I think, Generation Z, um, that it's about 5%. And that number has doubled in the last five years. Okay. That one is becoming very... Still not a huge number. We're talking about 1 in 20. Right. But it is a growing number. 
there. So why would we talk about it if it's still a fairly small minority? That's the question, okay? Um, one of the things I wanted to point out when you look at the kids part, and I do hope that you'll help me on this piece here. My understanding, um, which is a pastor's understanding, not necessarily a professional's understanding, I think that a lot of what has taken place here is kind of, uh, it's an epidemic being, kids are influencing each other. And they're finding um, their heroes supporting if you take a particular stance. They're finding the social media supporting you if you take a particular stance. You're finding that if a kid is struggling to fit in and they can be affirmed, recognized, and lauded if they take a particular stance. And so I think we're seeing an explosion among the kids, not because it has already been there, but because there is a certain degree to which it is a fad. Now, that might be a rude thing to say. Please speak to that, Carrie. Um, so I can speak to that a little bit. Um, so when we're parenting our children, um, there's two fundamental stages um, of development. The first one is the stage from zero to three years old that has the most learning, the most influential learning. You know, children come with a blank slate, so to speak. Um, and then the second most influential stage is between nine and 25. So that's the development of the prefrontal cortex. So the prefrontal cortex is our higher functioning of learning. Um, that's where we get our morals, decide what's right and wrong, good and bad. Um, and that is not fully developed until the age of 25. Um, for females, and it's more like 28 for males. So guys um, are slower, aren't they? Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need commentary on that one. We yeah, <laughs> we get it. So um, with that being said, I think the trend um, that this is more common among teens and Gen Z, which I'll speak to, is that there isn't a high percentage of adults that have transgender issues because once their prefrontal cortex is fully developed, they're able to have more logic and reasoning. I've seen that a majority of the teens that I've worked with that um, are struggling with gender dysphoria, body image, things like that, um, there's significant trauma. So they come from a broken home or they were abused in some way or there's an attachment issue. Um, and that, I think, is the root cause of the mental illnesses that come after that, right? Um, I am currently doing my doctorate degree. I will finish May, so it is great. Um, oh, cool. I am studying body image and social media. So what, I've wor what I'm working on right now in my studies is how social media impacts um, adolescents and how they are they view the world around them. So the more exposed we are to things on social media, the more we accept it as our re reality and truth, right? If I am on social media and following a lot of Christian-based, um, you know, influencers, whatever they're called, um, then I'm going to connect with that more. But if I'm following people who are following the trends of mental health, um, anxiety is a big thing, dissociative orders are, uh, disorders are a big thing, um, that becomes the adolescent truth, and the Gen Z population are the most connected um, generation that we have so far, and we are just now figuring out how that's truly impacting the way that they view themselves. 
So in this phase of the 9 to 25, um, it's a tricky stage because they're wanting to push away from their parents, push away from their parents' beliefs, um, identify with their own beliefs, and kind of explore who they are. And so that's where that pushback comes, and then they do get um, affirmed and support from their friends, so there's a disconnect in the home. And that's where I think a lot of those issues kind of present themselves in adolescence. Okay. So there's almost like a, uh, almost like a snowball effect that we're talking about here. You, you know, you call it a fad. But as, as more people lean this direction, it encourages even more people to just keep leaning in that direction. Okay. Now, that I think is, is partially why we're seeing the explosion among younger. We're gonna find that it's affecting every single family, every single workplace, and every single church, okay? Even if we haven't talked about it, it is affecting all of our families. If your kids are going to school, they're gonna be immersed in things. If your kids are on the social media, as Carrie's referred to, they're gonna be exposed uh, to a different perspective on all of these questions, and we might try to present here at church. And even churches, one of the things that makes this very, very difficult is that no matter what you want to believe, you'll find a church that supports you. You understand that? This is really, really tough. Um, but whatever you want to believe, you're going to find some guy on, on social media who's going to support you biblically, you're going to try to. And if you want to find a church, you're going to find a church that will support whatever position you want to take. Um, and you could say all kinds of things about that. Either the Bible's not clear or not everybody's representing the Bible fairly. It's going to be one of the two, right? And so this, that makes it really confusing, but it's going to affect everybody. Uh, you can see it today where it's kind of raising its head. You can see it in bathroom policies. Have you ever been reading about that, for example, in schools? Who gets to go to which bathroom? Okay. Uh, even here at Capital City, one of the things that we did some time back, just because we want people here who are struggling with different kinds of sin, right? And so one of the things we did is we took the two bathrooms up on the third floor and we made them family restrooms. They both have a single commode and a single sink, so they're a private restroom. And we're going to be putting a sign up down here below that basically says, for family restrooms, go upstairs. We're not going to say for those with gender issues. We're going to say for family restrooms. That's a private place where you can go. But we want to make this place accessible for people who are struggling with different kinds of sins. Right? I know that's kind of strange, but that's one of the reasons that we're doing it here. You can also find it in things like women's sports. I mean, right now, if you've been following Gaines, as she's been going around the country, um, there are wars going on with respect to women's school, uh, sports. Do guys get to participate once they have transitioned, right? And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more because I don't care um, what small changes you make to your body. Um, a male body is just different than a female body. And no matter if you remove a few parts... Um, it's still going to be a male body in some ways that you can never get rid of. Our bodies are just different, okay? Um, and that's one of the things that's at stake right now. That's one of the things being debated. Um, and you can see it if you go to the uh, uh, Washington, D.C., you can see it being debated in the Capitol there with some of these guys. Um, the rights of parents versus the rights of kids. 
Right now, there are wars being fought over whether or not a kid can determine he's going to transition even if the parent doesn't agree. There are states who are saying if the kid wants to transition, the parents don't agree, come here and we'll help you and not let your parents stop you. There are those kinds of things taking place today. Okay? It's creating real issues about parental rights versus children's rights. You're going to see it in workplace rules. Right now, there are workplaces that if you don't basically affirm a position that you might think is contrary to, the, to God's position, then you could lose your job, right? There are workplace responsibilities on this thing, and it's affecting things like freedom of speech. Can they force you to use pronouns that you just don't buy? Um, if you follow Jordan Peterson, it's one of the things that he just gets all hopped up about is uh, when the government starts mandating how you have to talk um, as you weigh that against First Amendment issues. And so there's a whole lot of ways that you're seeing infiltrate all the marketplace, all the different kinds of uh, um, places where you might find yourself, families, schools, uh, institutions, politics, and so forth. You guys got anything on those that you want to comment on? Okay. Now, I, wanted, I tried to identify some cultural shifts. And these are major shifts. These are, this is where culture is changing. And it's changing at virtual light speed. Okay? For example, we have gone basically from sex as an activity to sex as an identity. When in the past do you think you were identified, if you're old, like me, right, if you're old, were you identified by who you were attracted to? That became the core of your identity. Um, this has become basically fundamental. I am such and such, and here are my pronouns, right? It has gone from an activity, something we do, sometimes badly, but to, to, to this is who I am. I, you can identify me by who I am sexually attracted to. It's a shift that has taken place, partially because there has become the primacy of the feelings. Your feelings are more important to who you are than anything else. Feelings override your body. I don't care what your body says you are. Does it agree with your mind? Does it agree with your heart? Okay? They have come, the primacy of the feelings have begun, they have become the uh, arbiter of your identity rather than anything else. That's a cultural shift that is taking place, I think. You guys got anything? Well, I, you know, I've, I've been at this specific church for just over a year, so I've been in this room with you guys for over a year. So if you've been in this on a regular basis on a Wednesday night, this is an issue that's come up in multiple different times in multiple different contexts. And I think about, uh, last week we used the word worldview, and we talked about the ways in which we perceive the world and what's happening around us. And this is one of the big war points, I think, of our worldviews, is that we tend to be in a, in a perspective right now, culture says what you feel trumps what you, what you think, or, or, uh, or what, you've, what has been told to you is right. If I feel differently, that's more important, that's more valuable. And so that's one of those touch points, and it just keeps coming up in all sorts of different contexts. It does. What may be right to you doesn't have to be right to me. It's, that's, that's the way that it kind of reveals itself. Okay, Carrie? And I'll, and I'll say, speak to that a little bit, too. Um, that is something often that 
comes up um, in my work is how I'm feeling right now in the moment. And one of the main things that we focus on in treatment is that feelings are like a wave um, and they come and go, our emotions change. Um, one minute I'm happy, the next minute I'm frustrated, um, the next minute I'm anxious, right? Um, so yes, we are living off our feelings. However, our feelings are ever shifting. Um, so it is not good to do that. Yeah, yeah then we teach that. Yeah. Okay, next cultural shift. I'm gonna skip some of those notes, guys. Next cultural shift is we have begun to separate sex and gender. This is odd to anybody who's old. If you're young, that just seems natural, okay? But right now, there's this, this idea that your sex is determined by your body parts. Your gender is determined by your heart and your mind. Who do I think I am? Do I think I am a girl even if he says that I'm a boy? That's the kind of thing we're talking about in this, okay? Um, and that's, that's a major difference. Um, what's interesting to me is that in this difference, when your gender is sex, separated from your sex, gender be, starts to be identified by stereotypes more than anything else, okay? I feel like a girl, why? Because I like pink, right? Or... Um, like uh, hair and makeup. Um, and then, reasons that, why this thing is really causing issues. That's one of the reasons that a lot of the women's rights people were pushing back. You cannot identify women by whether they like girly things. If, if you're a woman and you don't like girly stuff, does that make, mean you're not a woman? Okay? The separation depends on stereotypes more so than it does on anything that is stable. Okay? Yeah. No, go for it. We're good? Ready? Yeah. Whatever you're ready. I'm, go ahead. Thank you. Um, so speaking about embodiment, one of the um, questions that I have is, I understand Jesus as a he because of the body, but God's spirit preceded the body, and why was it he? and not just the God. God, can you help me, Ben? I didn't catch it. She wants to know about uh, gender uh, pronoun usage in reference to God, and why is it? Oh, that's interesting. That's a great question. Um, we're made in the image of God, right? Yeah, so men, Part of your men dignity. Men are like God. <laughs> yeah. All right, next I, question. When I, when I said we, she's in the image of God, I'm in the image of God. I am not more in the image of God than she is. We're both in the image of God. Image of God doesn't have to do with body parts. God doesn't have body parts. God doesn't need body parts. What do you need body parts for? To procreate. God doesn't need body parts to procreate. If he wants to create something, he speaks it into existence. Okay? The, the idea that God is sexed is ludicrous. The fact that we're in the image of God doesn't have to do with the fact that he's got eyes, a nose. If I'm in the image of God physically, so is a dog. Okay? It doesn't have to do with the body. It's something much deeper than that. Now, there is something about male and female which together represent the essence of God. I think the way we were made to complement each other is part of the fullness of the image of God. So, okay. why, so why do you think that we use the, the pronoun he? Because in the ancient world, 
as in English up until a few years ago, he could either mean male or generic for both. Okay? Mankind, mankind doesn't mean all the guys in the room. It includes you and you, right? Now, I know that that's offensive today, but that's the way most language has worked for most of history. Greek was exactly the same way, okay? Anthropos, the word we get for anthropology, which is the study of man. If I want to say male, I could use andros, aner, andros, okay? And, that, and that's just specifically a male. But most of the time, if they used anthropos, I might be talking about a guy like Paul, or I might be talking about this cluster, Male or man can be a reference to a, a sex or mankind. And most languages for most of time have used that. Okay? So what we have done, because I used to run into this at the college all the time, I'd ask whether God is male or female, and they said, well, we call him mother. I can find verses referred to God mothering. It doesn't mean that he's a girl. It means there's something about what mothers do that God does. That's part of image of God. There's something about what guys typically are created to do that God does. That's part of the image of God. Together, we are image of God. Okay? English is one of the languages that actually does, this, does that the least. Uh, most languages, like Spanish, everything either has a masculine or a feminine version of it, right? And so English is one of the ones that is more generic. But Greek where most of this is coming from the New Testament, it has masculine, feminine, and neuter. God is not ever put in the neuter. Spirit is, believe it or not, pneuma, okay? But father and son, those are both masculine terms. But when you talk about God as father, it doesn't mean he's more like me than you. It's an absurdity. Okay? <laughs> it's an absurdity because you compare her to you. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so we've got this cultural shift. Another cultural shift, okay, because we're not, we barely get into this. But go to the next cultural shift. There's been a shift from this whole notion that there's a binary to a spectrum. What I mean by the binary, male and female. How many genders are there now? Can you tell me? A lot. <laughs> Believe it or not, that's a scientific answer. A lot. Because no one knows, okay? Um, it used to be a fairly short list. The list is growing all of the time. And those are just the ones that have been identified. There is an assumption that there really isn't a limit to the number of genders, okay? Nor is there a limit to where you can fit on that spectrum. You might be here one day and here another day. You can move along the spectrum. You're no longer just male, just female. There's a spectrum and you can move. That's a shift that has taken place. you have anything on that you want? I was just going to say, um, a lot of times the, the patients that I see often have to teach me the spectrum because it is always changing. And as much as I am working actively in the field, I can't even keep up with it. So, yes, there's, it's ever-changing. One of the reasons that is being given for this change, which is being argued now as more scientific, which I think personally is absurdity, okay? There is the existence of what you call intersex. There are individuals who are born with both male and female body parts. Are you aware of that? 
It's called intersex. My understanding is, uh, the ways that it's explained is the hermaphrodite. My understanding is that it is 0.018%. Very small. But that opens the door to the fact that it's not just simply male and female. There are things in between. Now, there are a lot of other um, uh, places that you can go and find. Again, this is a very small number. I think we're talking still within 1% or 2%. Okay? There are other conditions where someone might have XXY, XXXY, okay? Um, there, I think XXXXY. There's, there's different kind of conditions that you can find where there is, um, it's not a simple binary of male and female. The problem is that except for the hermaphrodite, my understanding is, and again, I'm a pastor, I'm not a doctor. I am a doctor, but I'm not the right kind of doctor. I'm not a real doctor, okay? Um, my understanding is that in most all of the cases except for the hermaphrodite, there is still clear between male and female, okay? Uh, rather than being a spectrum of in-between and finding all the missing link parts. That's my understanding. Do you guys have anything to say on that? Well, and I would say even still one of the things that we discussed in different conversations outside of all this as well is that exceptions don't make rules. That's Except a huge point. Exceptions are exceptions. And so just because we can find examples doesn't mean that it opens the door to all sorts of new, new things we can create. One person uh, put it like this. He said, you might find a child who's born without an arm. That doesn't mean that people are, are creatures with either one or two arms. You would consider the aberration an aberration rather than making it part of the model going forward. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, one of the things that I wanted to throw up for just a second, I'm not going to spend any time here. I think it's the next slide. These are the things that are being used to explain the differences now. One of them is called the gender unicorn. That's primarily for the younger folks. The other one is called the gender bred person. They both have basically the same ideas. Now, this one basically has four, that has five, but it, they're just minor differences between the two. But it has to do with your sex, which is body parts, which is why they put the circle where they put it, right? Then you've got your identity, which is something that is your mind and your heart. This is where your gender comes from. And then your expression is how do you choose do I choose to present myself as a stereotypical girl or as a stereotypical boy or something entirely different? And then the attraction is, I mean, am I a, a guy here? Am I attracted to guys or am I attracted to girls? It can be anything. You know, um, am I a girl? Who am I attracted to? Other girls, other guys, or something entirely different? All of these are spectrums, but this is how it's being taught right now. I do not, my understanding, okay, and, and again, I, I, I'm trying to, I, especially Sunday morning when I'm talking in that, in that kind of a setting, I'm trying to be as gentle and respectful as I can. I don't like this, okay? I don't think this reflects God's design, um, my understanding. And I, well, I'm going to get there why, but this is how it's being taught. Ben? Larry, you got a question? How did they explain away the, the change of mind in a 9 to a, say, 18-year-old individual? We're going to get there. You're ahead of me. I apologize. Okay. <laughs> you should have known that, Larry. Yes. It's right here in my notes. 
follow the notes. Here we go. <laughs> okay. And one of the other things that I wanted to get to is one of the difficulties for us, because I haven't even got to the, the big stuff yet. Christians respond to this stuff in so many different ways. You can find churches that believe that the stuff that I'm going to teach to you tonight is wrong. Flat out wrong. Narrow. Okay? And they're going to be uh, they're going to try to affirm scripturally things that we're going to identify as a violation of God's design. And that makes it difficult. Because I said before, um, whatever you want to think, you're going to find people who agree with you. And that's just the way it is. Okay? Our job is to try to present the word best we understand. Um, that's all we can do is present it the best that we understand it. Because again, it doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter what I think. If God has revealed himself clearly, that trumps everything else to a Jesus follower. Right? In fact, one of our ladies here, a couple of weeks ago, I was standing, we were talking about this, uh, the series that was coming up, and she said, you know, isn't this whole thing a, a question of lordship? You know, who are you going to determine is your God? Who gets to set the rules? was dead on in our conversation. This thing is driving me crazy. Uh, and you can't see it, but I've got a, you can see it? Yeah, yeah. So you guys know that I'm not just being spastic up here. I'm here to talk dog. You could. Holy cow. All right. So I'm about to turn the corner here. Do you guys have anything before I go? I was going to say, this was the date that Doc started losing his mind. <laughs> Mark we identified several at odds. These are places where we do think that the cultural winds are at odds with what God reveals. And that's the main issue, isn't it? It's not what I prefer. Is it at odds with God, what God reveals? Now the first one is, is there really a spectrum or did God design a binary? And all I can tell you is that there is a boatload of evidence in the scripture for a binary and zero evidence that I'm aware of in the scripture for a spectrum. Now, I know they weren't having these debates back then. Okay? But the fact is, every place where you can see in scripture points to a, bin, a binary that I'm aware of. And sometimes very, very clearly. For example, Genesis chapter 1, 1, when it explains... God's creation, what his design was, what his purposes were. When he says God created human beings in his image, we've already talked about that. In the image of God, he created us. He just didn't want us to miss that. Male and female, he created us. And you can see that binary through all, all of creation when it comes to living creatures, right? You can find exceptions, but exceptions are exceptions, when you keep saying almost, what is the exception that you're aware of? There are some animals that can change sexes and there are some animals that can spontaneously reproduce without partners. That's weird. <laughs> Didn't you watch Jurassic Park? I hate, I hate the movie Jurassic Park. It scarred me as a young child, and I've hated every single one of them ever since. Jurassic Park is based on the premise that they mixed frog DNA into the dinosaur DNA, and dog, the frogs, some frogs have that uh, capacity. Am I saying that right? Did you guys? As I remember from Jurassic Park, because I'm a, also a Jurassic Park expert. <laughs> but I think their science on that was legit. 
Okay, you can find illustrations. I say that's a proof that there's not a binary. Good luck with that. Okay. Kind of like how seahorses, male seahorses. Yes. You can find babies. exceptions. I still think that science is messed up. I don't know anything about it, but I think that they just misdiagnosed the seahorses as a male <laughs> We got a question. Uh, talking about the spectrum binary, um, there are reptiles, amphibians, just like you said in Jurassic Park. If, in order to recreate, they have to change sex. But the thing that's weird is after that has been completed, pregnancy, babies born, weaned, whatever reptile it is, does their gender go back to what they originally were before the change just to keep their species going? Are you um, asking or just uh, helping me out? <laughs> I'm asking, and I guess I'm helping you out. <laughs> I don't know. I can't answer that. I, I'm, I'm not aware. We'll have, we'll have to go back and reference Jurassic Park and see what we can find out on that one. Does anyone know the answer to that? Do they go back to the original, do or they do they just it? do it? Yes. It's, Jurassic Park is based on cloning. Yes. When you clone something, that offspring cannot reproduce. <laughs> so the clone, yeah, cloning. It's not supposed it's to, but cloning they messed up reproduce. and put their own DNA in there, right? It's However, like, it's, it still doesn't change the fact that there are some, some animals that can change sex. They do change sex. Right. A lot of fish do it. They, they, the largest male becomes the female. Yeah. But that's still going from A to B. There's no rainbow in the middle. There's still mm. going from a binary one to a binary two. That's a good point. That's really very good. good point. And I'm now very disappointed in the documentary Jurassic Park because I thought it was about real science. <laughs> it sounds like it's just a movie. I'm going I'm to skip forward, Ben. Okay. I'm going I'm to oh, skip forward. One of the things I was going to talk about is because I said I'm not aware of any place in the scripture that supports a spectrum. I know that there are lots of places that don't. You know, I pointed out, I think, uh, um, Genesis. I, 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 how far ahead are you wanting to go? We'll go to the next slide. Never mind. Go back. Um, <laughs> And there's, a, there's an Old Testament text, and I referred to it Sunday, and it's a, it's a hard text. You know, I, I didn't like reading it. But it says if a guy dresses like a girl, he's, it's a, this abomination to God. A girl dresses like a guy, it's an abomination to God. Now, I also said that we are not under the Old Testament. The fact is, any of the guys who like bacon are against the Old Testament, right? And you can, you can prove that. But if you go to the New Testament, I can find tremendous examples where God gives one set of examples to, uh, of instructions to guys and another set of... 1 Corinthians 11 is a perfect example of that. 1 Timothy 2 is another example where there's a difference in God's instructions to male and female. There is a binary that is reflected through Scripture. I'm not aware of anywhere that a binary is rejected in Scripture, that it opens a door to a spectrum. I'm just not aware of it as a Bible scholar. Okay? And, I, and I love the example that she just said, and it wasn't on microphone, so maybe all of you couldn't hear it. But even in these examples in science where you see a fluctuation of sex 
uh, between uh, an animal, it's still a binary fluctuation. Yes, absolutely. It's not a switch into some other third category. They're still just going A to B. I think that's a really valid point. Still, still takes sperm and an egg, okay? Yep. Takes that, right? And uh, unless it's God, I don't know of any other ways to go, go about it. God can create reality with his mind. The rest of us cannot, okay? Now you look at the next at odds. This is important. This is a big one. What happens when your mind and your body disagree? Now, she deals with dysphoria. Dysphoria is a place when there is tension, okay? There's tension to some degree between who you think you are and what your body says you are. Does that make sense? And that is a real tension. One of the things that I tried to mention is that every single Jesus follower understands some form of dysphoria. We all fight it. All of us feel one way and we know that God wants us to go a different way. That's the power of sin. Right? I mean, how many, how many things can you think of? You know, there are some people who, who just feel God made me strong and God made me violent. I have a bent for violence. There are people who, um, they have a bent for addictions. They're just, that's a predisposition. To their, it's easier for them to get addicted to some things than others. Um, you've got, um, I remember some time back we had a president who was excused for his uh, sexual dalliances because he had extra testosterone, right? And the fact is, there are some people who say, well, they just have more testosterone and so they are, they have a, they, you can excuse them when they have more adulteries. Well, poppycock. We all have propensities. All of us have propensities that are violation of the design of God. Does that make sense? You'll hear people say, but God made me this way. No. All of us have desires that are contrary to the way God designed us. All of us. I mean, when you understand that there are kids who struggle with this, they struggle with it. It's a real struggle. Honor the struggle. Okay? They're being given answers that I think are not honoring. But you have to understand the struggle. There's now multiples of them flying around my face. Um, but in any case, um, it's there. And the world is going to tell them, follow your heart. We're going to tell them, your heart's dysfunctional. That's a huge difference. We're going to tell you, don't follow your heart. It'll mess you up. Tell that to a kid. A kid's going to hear all over the place, follow your heart, follow your heart, right? We're going to tell them, don't. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. It's going to take you to dark places. Don't follow your heart. Follow your design by God. And it's going to be a war. It really is going to be a war. This is a tough one. Guys, either one of you want to talk about this at all. I, I would add to this, there's no need for Jesus if all we have to do is follow our heart. There, there isn't anyone who comes into a relationship with Jesus who doesn't have something that they have to set aside. And for most of us, it's a list, right? And so I, I think that, I, I feel like I've puzzled off by saying this. I don't know if he agrees with me. Or no, not. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Jesus said at one time, if you're going to be my follower, you have to deny yourself. Now, sometimes we don't read that slowly and carefully. Deny yourself. 
If there's no right? denying of self, then do you really need Jesus? Like, like he, he's, if we're going to call him Savior, he has to save us from something. And every single time he saves us from something, he's saving us from ourselves. There's something that we have. There's something wrong with us. We need him to step in and save us from something. Here's the next at odds, because I'm going to have to keep flying. Who owns you? Okay? This is a huge one. And this is something that is extraordinarily countercultural. Okay? Because you're going to hear all the um, time, it's my body. Right? My body, my choice. It's my body. I've even seen signs, get your God out of my body. Okay? And I'm going to tell you, it's not what the Bible says. According to the scripture, you don't own you. Okay? And I know that's hard for us. It's really difficult. But according to the scripture, you're God's. He's given you a whole lot of freedom to, to, to make choices within his limits. But you still belong to God. Here's what the scripture says, okay? Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body. That matters. A lot of people say it's your mind that matters, your body doesn't matter, right? The scripture never says that. That's actually something that is an ancient heresy called Gnosticism. That the body doesn't matter, okay? So it doesn't matter what you do with it because that's not the real you. That's Gnosticism. That is not Christianity. Body matters, okay? No other sin clearly affects the body. That matters. Don't you realize your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and is given to you by God? He's dwelling in you if you're a Jesus follower. Even if you're not a Jesus follower, God still owns you. You just don't know it yet, right? You do not belong to yourself. God bought you with price, so honor God with your body, which means do things his way, not yours. Does that make sense? This is a huge clash, a huge at odds between Christianity and culture. Who owns you? Okay. It's the, it's the issue of lordship again, like you mentioned before. If I have a lord, I don't have, um, oh, uh, like a, what, a free agent, agency? Free agency? How would you call that? Not necessarily free will. Is it just agency or do I have to say free agency? That sounds like NFL. It is NFL. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but it, if, if I have a lord, I don't have my own agency to choose how I want to go about doing things. Everything's in submission to the Lord and what he has to say. Yeah, I have, a, I have the ability to choose against God, but that's the denial of, of lordship. Yeah. Every time I choose against him, I'm denying his lordship. Here's another one that is very closely related, okay? We're being told basically today that when there is a clash between your mind and your body, mind is what matters. Alter the body if you can. Okay? I think the scripture says it just the opposite. I really do. I think this is a, a biblical principle. Because our minds will lead us in dark places. I think the scripture tells us, um, let God transform your mind and uh, give your body to him. It's not yours. Give your body to him. Honor him with your body. And let God transform your mind. And I say that carefully because the fact is, okay, I was born this way. You're going to hear that over and over and over again. All of us were born with weaknesses that are contrary to the design of God. It's part of being part of a broken world. All of us were born with these kinds of weaknesses. I don't deny that people are born with propensities 
I have a brother, right, who struggled, almost crossed over to a gay lifestyle. He was sitting at the table in a gay bar, ready to go home with the guy. And made a decision. I'm not going to go that direction. Went back home. He's always battle those kind of propensities. Always. But he has chosen not to follow that path. Instead, he's raised seven boys. Okay? Good boys. Done a great job. And so, yeah, you are born sometimes with a particular weakness toward things that are not God-honoring. And some people will say, if you're born that way, you don't have the capacity to change. And they're probably right. You don't have the capacity to change. I think God does. Okay? And isn't that the difference? Look at this next verse. Look at what it says. I urge you, brothers and sisters, and this thing off again. Holy cow. Offer your bodies as a sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Give that to him. That's your true and proper worship. And then it says this. This is huge. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. Be transformed, not by changing your body, but by renewing your mind. By the renewing of your mind. One of the things that I found interesting here is that it doesn't tell you to do it. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's passive. Okay? I don't think you can do it. I think God can. Does that make sense? You're going to be told you can't change. And the fact is, you'll probably struggle with desires that are aberrant, not according to God's design for your whole life. Almost all of us do. We call those besetting sins. All of us have them. I've got them. I have particular sins that I'm going to struggle with for the rest of my life. I don't think sometimes God can free you from those things. Frequently, he doesn't. He just allows you to stay in the struggle. So be it. Okay? He'll give you the strength to win the battles. Sometimes he can take the battles away. But the fact is, to say that you change the body instead of the mind, it seems to me to be contrary to the Word of God. Does that make sense? You guys have anything here? Hmm. A couple of others, very, very quickly. I'm almost out of time, but I want to get to three more things very quickly. You're going to be told that children know who they are. Kyrie has already told you, okay? And yet, now that's my translation of what you said, Okay? And guys, not until 28. Guys, not until 28. Guys are slower. That's what I've told my daughter. She doesn't need to talk to any guy who's younger than 28. And if you are not, and if you are below the age of 28, you don't get it. Because no matter where you are, I look on my shelf that says being wrong. No one ever thinks they're wrong. You know that you've been wrong, but you don't know that you're wrong now. If you knew that you were wrong now, you'd believe something different. Everyone thinks they're right. Your nine-year-old thinks he's right. You know that to be the case. Your four-year-old thinks he's right. And they're very confident about it. I'm very confident. Okay? One of the reasons that God designed families the way they did it is so that parents protect their children from confusing reality with their fantasy and from making life-altering choices before they should be making those choices. It's one of the reasons that God designed parents. If parents abdicate that role, they are 
fulfilling their design given to them by God. Is that too harsh? Harshly put? And I know that's being fought right now because some, some people in our culture are warring against the parents' right to alter their children. That makes it very difficult to be a Christian parent. Hugely diff difficult. We live in such a broken world. What happens is we use the argument of all the parents out there who are hurting kids. I'm going to go by the question. I've got too much to do. Sorry, because I want to just get to two more things before we finish. All right? Um, and the other thing that I wanted to relate to this is the studies, and the studies are big now. <clears throat> I think you referenced it too, Carrie. Most of the studies are telling you that dysphoria um, will pass for most children. Sexual dysphoria will pass. Um, if you look at the numbers, I've seen 60 to 80%. I've seen as high as 90% where as long as you don't do anything life-altering, surgical, the dysphoria will pass as time goes on. We take kids when they can't make a full decision, let them make a life-altering decision, and then when they get to the point that sometimes the dysphoria passes, they're horrified at what they have done. You ever embarrassed about anything you did as a kid? How many of you guys ever did something stupid as a kid? I'm so glad social media didn't exist when I was a kid. <laughs> you guys wouldn't have hired me. <laughs> he didn't reveal it to us either. <laughs> it's not on social media, so it didn't happen. <laughs> one more at odds. One more at odds. Okay? You're going to be told that if you don't inform your kid, you're going to put them at risk of self-harm. And you probably will. Okay? If you don't affirm your child with the affirmations you're getting elsewhere, you self-harm. I don't want to downplay that. Truth is, if you go ahead and affirm them, you're also putting them at the risk of harm. The fact is, the kind of gender transitions that people are going through do not reduce the rate of suicide. They're finding that people who have gone through trend, uh, gender transitions have a hugely higher rate of suicide than the general population. I saw a number as high as 20 times as much as the general population. Either way you go, it's a bad decision. There's one other factor in it. If your decision to protect them physically puts them at odds with God, you're making a very bad choice. I'm a pastor. Okay? I fought this battle when we were talking about COVID. There were people who wanted to protect the body more than they wanted to protect the soul. When it comes to the soul or body, I'll take the soul every time. Okay? If your decision to affirm a child is going to harden their stance against God, it's a bad parenting decision in my mind. Now, I know that's overly simplistic, and you have every right to criticize that. Okay? So go ahead very quickly. I mean, how deep do you want to go? We, we don't have a lot of time. We're over time now, so you have one minute. Okay. Um, so I will say that you do increase the risk of suicide if you don't affirm your child. That has been proven in studies. Um, but I think that there is a right way and a wrong way to approach it. And um, acceptance... Um, doesn't mean that you agree with it in the moment. So you can accept your child for how they are right now as a parent. That doesn't mean that you agree with the decisions. And all you can do is guide them and show them the way and hope that they grow out of it, that it's, that it's a phase and they will come back around. See, that's generous and respect as opposed to my way. <laughs> 
1 Peter 3.15, mm-hmm. not. <laughs> the stuff we didn't get to, we're not going to be able to get to it tonight. I wanted to talk about pronouns, okay? One of the things about pronouns is that Christians disagree vehemently on this. God-honoring Christians. Some people say use it because we try to be as respectful and we don't want to just create fights where we don't have to. Others say it's, um, I mean, I, I approach it differently. I'm going to offend you or I'm going to offend God. I'd rather offend you than God. And so that's not listen respect, but Christians disagree on this one, okay? And they do. And if you disagree with my approach, I understand completely. You're probably right and I'm probably wrong, okay? I'm serious about that. Um, I also know that uh, one of the things that we've got to talk about is if you say the kind of things that we have said here this evening, you will be called hateful. You will be called transphobic, okay? I learned a long time ago that some people think that just because of who I am, I'm racist, okay? I don't care if people think me racist. I care if God does. If God thinks I'm racist, I'm in a world of hurt because he hates racism, okay? But he gets to define it. They don't. Let God define it. Do not stand against God. The the fact is you're going to be called transphobic. If you're trying to be God-honoring and you're trying to be gentle and respectful, okay. All right? They're going to come after us. Okay. We're going to smile. We're going to love them anyway. Okay? We're not going to try to win an argument. We're going to try to influence souls towards Jesus. Okay? And I just wanted to show you one last list. I know we're over time, but I'm going to show you one last list. This is from Sharon uh, James. This one here. It's a nice little list. What do we do? We respect God's design. We're Jesus followers. We respect the vulnerability of our children. We know that they're in a very tenuous place and they're facing pressures you never faced as an adult, as a child. Your kids are facing, are going to fight battles you don't understand. You were never there. Does that make sense? This is huge. Respect the rights of parents. I think that's why God created the family. Respect the rights and the privacy of ladies. One of the things that I'm real concerned about is that, I mean, I don't want, I don't want open restrooms in, in the schools. I don't want open locker rooms in the schools. I think that's a violation of the rights of the ladies. Okay? Um, I think that's a Christian response. You may disagree, but I think that's a Christian response. I think you ought to reflect free, free speech, let people disagree with you. Um, you can't control what people say right now. There is a segment of our society that says, if you disagree me, with me, you should not be allowed to speak. That is neither American, nor is it Christian. Does that make sense? We don't force people. Respect truth. Right now, I think a lot of what is being said is in pursuit of an agenda rather than a pursuit of truth. I think this is a real problem right now because we have, a lot of people are telling you to abandon common sense and truth in pursuit of an agenda. We can never do that as Jesus followers and respect God. And the main thing is this, one of the reasons that we don't spend a whole lot of time dealing with this, it's the first time we've ever preached on it, is because even though there are God-honoring 
principles that we need to deal with. We should not be known by what we are against. We should be known by what we are for. And we are for Jesus and his lordship. After Christmas, we're going to, that's after January actually, we're going to spend 10 weeks just talking about Jesus, the primacy of Jesus. That's what the church needs to focus on. We are not, our focus should not be the cultural wars. We're in them. We need to understand them. We need to take Christian stances. But our focus ought to be pointing people towards him. Don't expect people who do not have Jesus as their Lord to live out his lordship. Expect them to live out their philosophy, their anthropology, their theology. If you want to change people, make them Christian. Don't try to win an argument. Does that make sense? What we try to do is once they bend their knees to the lordship of Jesus, now let's talk about where that clashes with our understandings of the whole world. Last words. You want me to close this out real quick? If she doesn't have anything to say, and by the way, if you have any questions, um, talk to Carrie first, talk to Ben, and then I'm going to hide. Yep. <laughs> there's a lot to cover. I mean, we're, we're already eight minutes over here, okay? And uh, there's people in the preschool who wish you'd come get your kids. But um, just a couple things. The next two weeks we're still going to be doing within this series. If you've got questions, if there's something that you want us to specifically address, feel free to write that down and give that to us. Email me. I already gave you out my email address, but again, it's bweb at capitalcitychristian.org. Uh, for the Right Now Media stuff, for more information, if there's anything in that that you need, shoot us an email. And then next week, I'll be leading, following up what we preach on this Sunday, and uh, we'll see if we can't work in some of those kinds of things, okay? Because I know that there's a lot of discussion. There's a ton of stuff that we covered, and we've, like, just hit the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more to discuss and say. And that would even be for you. If there's something that you think we should have covered, let us know so we can make sure we hit it. Yeah. yeah, thanks, Carrie. Thank you, guys. And I am happy to stay after, answer questions. Um, feel free to come to me. It doesn't have to be about transgender issues, but any, like, mental health concerns you're having within your family or your kids, I'm happy to just be a support for you. Yep. Yep. All right, I'm going to pray real quick and then send you out. God, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. Thank you for how much you love us. And we thank you that for each of us and the ways in which we are each uniquely messed up, you have so much grace for us and your love can't be overwhelmed. And God, we're grateful for that. Uh, God, give us uh, clear eyes, clear ears to see what you're doing in this world and help us to be all about you and your work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.